Hey, it's Timmy Whispers from Stacey King's Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure you can take on any adventure. I'm planning on going river rafting this weekend, and I'm ready to head out on the trails with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. We all belong outside. We're drawn to nature. Whether it's the recorded sounds of the ocean we doze off to, or the succulents that adorn our homes, nature makes all of our lives, well, better. Despite all this, we often go about our busy lives removed from it. But the outdoors is closer than we realize. With all trails, you can discover trails nearby and explore confidently. With offline maps and on-trail navigation, download the free app today and make the most of your summer with all trails. Sriracha. Give me the hot sauce. Yes, we are ready to roll. Episode 25 of Gimme the Hot Sauce. We've reached a milestone. We're at a quarter of a century. Not bad as we get bigger and better being listened to by countries all over the world. Uh, yes. The numbers are growing. We thank all our great listeners. We thank our sponsor, Bubble Up. It's the cloud Bubble reimagined. Up. Bubble Up is the new way to visually organize <laughs> any kind of content all in one place. And John's displaying a nice uh, nice polo there. The oh, Stacey King, give oh, me the hot sauce. Oh, Eyes on. Eyes yeah, on. Make sure oh, that, look at that. Those are available to listeners, aren't they? Oh, and, yes. And, and show hats. it. Show it. Show it. Show it. Wardrobe change. Yeah, very yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, you, you follow finally, the show. There's a know, lot of wardrobe changes. It is a lot of wardrobe show, you know, <laughs> changes, especially yesterday after I saw he had a Columbia jacket on that had <laughs> oh, bubble yeah. up. Yeah. And uh, it was like an. Huh? We can Portia, Whoa. if you're listening right now, Portia, this message is for you. It's uh, snowing outside. Of, you can really use yeah, that, you know? The rest of us uh, from the Give Me the Hot Sauce show <laughs> would like to start getting some of that A-lister you equipment wear that you're sending, you gotta John. Wear you know what? You don't know what I do. Okay, John? No, you're not in you my wearing house, it. okay? All right? You don't know what I do. I well, wear the Bubble Up sweatshirt all the time. Nice. You should wear it on the show. But Listen, yeah. you know what? I'm going to send you a selfie of me wearing it. Okay. I will. All right. Yeah. And I also want to get those little, like some little dog sizes so I can give my dogs, <laughs> my little American bullies, some little baby sweatshirts to say bubble up on them so, so the fans can see that. Because, you know, they they got their own uh, IG accounts now. They're pretty popular. We can yeah. get that. We can make that happen for you. We're yeah. going to have Portia on maybe at the end of the show. Okay. You can talk to yes, her. Yes, so I'm going to definitely some swag. talk to her. Oh, yeah. We're definitely well, yeah, talk but to her. 25. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's 25. a nice milestone. Some great names and sports wore that with Barry Bonds of course as he broke Barry the home Bonds. run record wearing uh, 25 he couldn't wear 24 because his godfather Willie Mays was retired of course ben Simmons Jim Tomey the White Sox slugger home run number 600 in a White Sox uniform we got Mark McGuire another great home run hitter from today's NBA Ben Simmons and our special guest today Danny Manning from yes. Danny Manning and the Miracles uh, we hate to bring that up, but we'll, we're going to visit with Danny later, talk about the 1988 NCAA championship game. <laughs> I have one more guy, yeah. Freddie Bliknikoff. Oh, no, he was great. Super Bowl he MVP. had so much stick him, you couldn't got, shake yeah, hands exactly. with him or you'd be going exactly. playing a game I got with another him. guy, too. Who's that? What do you got? Mark Price. Ooh, Mark oh, yeah. Price, great shooter. One From Oklahoma. Enid, Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Shout out to my boy Mark. He's one of the nice. great guys. 
Hey, for those of you watching on, on YouTube, which we always appreciate, you can enjoy all the fun. You can see Timmy whispers over there. Normally he looks red like a lobster, <laughs> but, but he, he, I don't know if it's the lighting. He looks a little we bit got, gray today. We now. got blue lighting. He, he looks blue. Later in the he show, looks blue. he's jaundiced. Yeah, yeah he looks like he might have been choking on a pretzel. We don't want to spoil it, but later in the show, we're going to talk about the experience that, uh, that whispers and Stacy had getting their oh, first vaccine oh, shot. We're going to have that later the, in the it show. It might be the vaccine. Yeah, yeah it could be. Okay. Changing colors. So, so Timmy's been a little bit under the weather, but we'll, yes, we'll, we'll yes. get him going. You, you know he's going to drop some kind of sexual innuendo at some point in the oh. show, so that should be a drinking <laughs> game. You know? oh when, when is Whispers going to drop? <laughs> yeah, when is he going to drop that bomb in the table? We're waiting for it. <laughs> We're going to start out talking some NBA and, and an unexpected and very pleasant victory for the Chicago Bulls on Monday night. They go into Boston without their leading scorer, Zach Levine, and Stacey, you know what we learned last night? You can still win a game playing defense. Ooh. You know what, Mark? It wasn't unexpected. I called the upset. Okay. It was, uh, you know, we always call these games trap games. It was a trap game for Boston. Mm -hmm. You know, they thought that the Bulls, you know, were coming in limping, struggling. They don't have their, their number one scorer, Zach Levine. And it was going to be an easy night. And they found out differently because Big Vooch rode all over them. <laughs> it was it was mouse in the house, free cheese all night long. He really carried the Bulls, especially when Boston came out in that first quarter and got off to a hot start. Jalen Brown was was hot. Mm -hmm. It looked like they're going to run the Bulls out of the building, but they kept feeding Vooch. They're starting to realize Vooch can play. Yeah, 29-9 and nine last night, and he got anything he wanted. Of course, Boston was missing some players. They didn't have Kemba Walker or Marcus Smart. Who cares? <laughs> Evan <Okay>. Fournier, <laughs> the hey, Time Lord, Robert cares? Williams. Hit the who cares, John. Uh, you know what? I don't know if I have that button anymore. Oh, man, this guy, man. Hey, we need to get on. him off the Hold mic, on. I got man. one button for you here. How about this one? <laughs> That's not the right That's button. not no. the right well, Let's move on. on. Let's move yeah. on. Hey, I saw a stat yesterday, Stacey. The, the, the Bulls are 9-6 and six when, when Garrett Temple starts, and he brought that defensive mentality. You could see that he was not going to let Jason Tatum get to his favorite spots. Jason Tatum, one of the best young players yes. in the game, 3 for 17 from the field. He did a great job of, of really frustrating Jason Tatum. I mean, he didn't give him any airspace. He, he played him physical. You know, he got down and attacked his dribble. You know, Jason has a, a really good, you know, game off the bounce. You know, he does a good job of setting himself up, you know, posting up, step backs, you know, counter moves to counter moves. And, you know, give, give Garrett a lot of credit. You know, he's been injured most of the season. But when he's healthy and when he plays, he makes a huge difference in what the Bulls want to do. And I thought he did an excellent job last night. With Zach Levine being sidelined right now, Kobe White is back in the starting lineup. I thought he played well in the victory over Cleveland. He had four clutch free throws to nail down the victory against the Celtics. He's still learning as a point guard. You had a telestrator where you showed that sometimes uh, he kind of focuses on one side of the court and misses guys on the other. But it's a growth process, and, and I think this is important for Kobe to build some confidence over these final 15 or 20 games so that he can go into the offseason feeling good about himself. Yeah, speaking of that telestrated play, um, <laughs> <laughs> I just want to I just want to apologize to the people who were watching that last night. That was not my fault last night on the telestrated play. That goes to the truck, and I am throwing them under the bus. Yes, I am. I'm beep, not going to call beep, any names. Back up over. I'm them. not going to call any names, but it I, there was a, it was a perfect play. I, and I was telling you guys about this. Is a perfect opportunity to show teaching moment. The right? teaching moment to show some of the things that you know Kobe is seeing and not seeing on the court. And it was, it was a great play because it was set up nicely because they were running a, a double high screen 
And with him and with the ball, he has a couple of options. And when you're a point guard, you're basically the quarterback out there. You've got certain reads you have to read as a quarterback. So when Tom Brady's back in the pocket, you know, he's he's reading his progressions. You know, mm -hmm. one, two, three, four, where the ball's supposed to go. And the point guard is no different than an NFL quarterback. There's reads that you have to read. There's progressions when you come off those screens, what you're going to do with the ball. And so this particular illustration was, you know, Tice came in, set a screen, and then his man literally jumped out, which allowed him the dive cut. He was open. It is a split second decision. And those are the decisions sometimes that Kobe is struggling with the quick decisions because he anticipates the defense is going to play it this way. And so he, in his mind, this is what he's going to see. But as you know, sometimes it's not like that. Right. Sometimes something happens, a, a player dictates how it's going to change. And that's what happened. He missed Tice rolling to the basket. He's wide open. Then he ended up trying to come off the screen of, of Vooch, who's an all-star caliber player, and missed the throwback to Vooch, okay. and then he decided to drive, put his head down, and try to drive to the basket because he assumed that the shot clock was going down, so I got to go to the basket. Ended up taking a, ter a terrible shot, and uh, they went down and scored a three on it. But it's a learning process, and I think with Zach being out now, um, you know, he's going to get the minutes. I think he's, his attitude has changed now that he's back in the starting lineup. Um, I, don't, I don't really know if that's going to be the rest of the year. You know, but, I, you know, he's made some good decisions with the ball. He's had, you know, the game against Cleveland had like nine assists. His turnovers were really low. And I think that's been one of the things that has kept him out of the lineup is his turnovers. I mean, he has a lot of turnovers. I mean, you know, there's one game, a couple of games ago where he got in the game. The first minute he was in the game, he had like three turnovers. So that's got to get better for him if he's going to be on the floor consistently. Billy Donovan said after the game, and, and this was a lengthy answer, he really wasn't asked about it specifically, but he said he felt like the trade kind of messed the team up, even though they brought in quality players like Vucevic and Tice. He said that everybody's roles got confused, and he said it really thought it set him back. And in your post-game interview, uh, there was mentioned that the players had a team meeting and, and said, we had to play some defense. So it seemed like everybody got back to basics and said, let's, let's stop making excuses this is on us now. You know, we got we had less than 20 games left. We got we got to win some games if we want to get in this play. -in well, it, it comes down to it, Mark. I mean, do you want to be in the playoffs? Yeah. You know, and and so how do you get to the playoffs? You're not going to outscore people. That's not what it's all about. If you want to get to the playoffs, you got to buckle down and play defense. And it starts individually. Every man on that team has to be held accountable. You have to be able to go out there and say to yourself, I'm going to go out here and play. I don't have any help. I'm going to have to play my man one-on-one. -on -one. So you got to play your guy like you don't have any help. Like if you're in a gym playing one-on-one, -on -one, you're you're out there by yourself on an island. So you got to you got to have that kind of mental approach. And I think these last two games, I I thought they played exceptional defense against Cleveland, okay? But then again, that was Cleveland. And so you're saying, "Well, Cleveland's not that yeah, good." Yada yeah, yada. Yeah. So, but last night they put back-to-back -back defensive effort, efforts together. It's probably been the best I've seen them play defense in stretches in a back-to-back -back situation all year long. And they really got after, got after Boston. And I like the way that they rebound the basketball. They kept 
Tristan Thompson off the boards from getting second chance opportunities. So they did a lot of things well. Now the whole thing is maintaining that defensive intensity the rest of the season. You can't say, okay, we did it two games now, now let's go back and revert to non-playing defense. Speaking of defense, our old guy Tom, Tom Thibodeau is getting it done out in New Ooh, York. They've won six games in Tibbs. a row. Your boy uh, Master Luke must be enjoying this right now. Huh? Yeah, you know, he's been really quiet. Master <laughs> Luke's been really quiet. Even though you know, normally when, when the Knicks suck, he was always still talking trash, you know. <laughs> My Knicks are better, they're, you know. But now that they're winning, you don't hear from him anymore. He's not like, I know I know if, if the Bulls were winning, I'd be over there talking trash <laughs> to him. So he's been, you know, he's been really big. He just purchased his first house. Uh, is getting ready to uh, be, you know, retired soon. Um, so, so shout out yeah, to Master yeah, Luke. Yeah, Master Luke. Yeah, shout out to you and your Knicks. I know you're happy right now. I know deep down you you really want to rub it in my face. Uh, but don't get too excited. You know, I don't know if you're going to get past the first round. <laughs> uh, speaking of teams trying to advance, the Milwaukee Bucks uh, lost for the second time to the Phoenix Suns last night. And there was a little bit of a controversial call at the end of overtime where they, they whistled a foul, which was very questionable to decide a game. Yeah, it was. It was tough. I mean, it was a great night at NBA. We, we didn't uh, have a national uh, telecast. It was our own. So we had all our looks and our producer went nuts with all the replay looks. And it looked like... Uh, uh, Tucker, you know, elbow inadvertently when he went up, and I don't know why he was in that position, but uh, yeah, it was it was. Ugly. That's one normally the yeah. officials will let go. You hate to decide I a know. game on a touch foul at the yeah. end of overtime. Yeah. Hold up, when you say you don't know why he was in that position, you don't yeah. know why he was in. Well, position I mean, to take he was already. Shot? I think it was uh, was it Holiday. Holiday was all over him. He Holiday. had pushed him all the way almost to the bench. The right. shot he was going to take was going to be a, a, a uh, desperation heave. Exactly. At the yeah, and then. PJ, PJ Tucker kind of came stuffed over up and his elbow might have grazed his yeah, elbow. I think it did grazed uh, Devin Booker's elbow and that was the call. And then they looked at it and they didn't even. And the thing is, the shot it. actually came after the buzzer. Yeah. But the foul came, foul came before, before so the release. Like oh. So he got two free throws foul. with yeah. three tenths of a Coach, second left. Coach Bud was overtime happy. game over. Yeah, it was it was a great. I mean, talk about between uh, Steph Curry going to Philadelphia and in that game and then our game. Uh, it was exciting. It was yeah, exciting. Yeah, how, night. how about that battle of the Curry brothers? You know, Seth was trying to guard Steph, which is forget about it. And this yeah. role that he's on, he's averaging about 40 points a game over the last 10. He had 49 last night. Stacy, for the last five games, Steph Curry's had 10 or more three pointers. I mean, the guy is the greatest shooter of all time, but to put that <clears> kind <throat> of a streak together just boggles the mind. I will say this, Mark. We we have this discussion all the time. You heard BJ talking about it. Mm -hmm. You know, there's certain guys in this league that should not shoot threes, even if they're open. Okay, Steph Curry is the one guy, and Clay Thompson is the other guy that it doesn't matter how many times they shoot threes; those are great shots for them. They they just can make them. They're pure shooters, and Steph Curry is a not only is he a pure shooter, but he is a shot creator. You know, he's a guy that can shoot an off-balance three, one-legged, you know, from, you know, uh, from 30 feet, he can knock it down. I mean, he's unguardable. And when he's hitting threes like that, yeah. now he's smart because now he's like, okay, I got you now, baiting you now to play me tight, to try to get up on me and run me off the three-point shot. He has the ability to put the ball on the floor and then still be able to get to the rim. You know, since he's hurt his tailbone a little bit, he's trying to kind of stay away from the drives now, unless it's like yeah. a complete direct line and he's open. But he's trying to stay away from that. But when you're shooting the ball like he is from the three-point line, why would you go in there? 
Three is better than two, according to analytics. <laughs> <laughs> How about our guy, uh, Jimmy Butler, calling out his teammates, calling him soft? And Miami's right around 500. They're kind of treading water. Right now, they'd be in the play-in situation. And this is a team that people thought would take a jump after making the finals last year. Well, I mean, the reality of it is is that they're going to look back on this and had the opportunity to get James Harden. And all you would have had to give up is your two shooters, you know, Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. And which sounded at the time to Miami probably like, oh, no, we can't get rid of those guys or our shooters. We need them. Yeah. And now you look back on it, and now you got Jimmy Butler saying the team is soft or not playing hard or whatever he said. I didn't really see what he said. I'd heard about it, but I didn't really see it. But it's, it's typical Jimmy. You know, it's, yeah, it you know, is. It's, it's, you know, it's one of those situations where they're not playing well. And he's going to hold people accountable. And, and if he's out there doing what he's doing and he's playing hard every night and he's, you know, d doing whatever he can to help the team win and you're not, he's going to call you out. You know, all the big face coffees and all the fun <laughs> stuff that he does on the side. And, yeah, he ain't messing yeah. around once he yeah, gets yeah, between but, the lines. But, but Jimmy feels in his mind, he feels like he's a top 10 player and he has the right to question your work ethic because if you don't work as hard as him mm -hmm. you're going to hear about it and you know it's been a smooth marriage you know in miami because all those those young players have worked hard you know they they work hard and but for some reason this year you know outside the bubble because they were the surprise team in the bubble last year other than phoenix these kids are not working as hard anymore. Tyler Hero is not having the same season that he had last year as a rookie. And so people have figured him out. And that's the one thing about the NBA is like, you know, you can have a good stretch of games. You can have a good rookie year. But sooner or later, teams are going to figure you out and start taking away the things you like to do, which is wide open jump shots. And, you know, I'm making good use of the bubble up folder. So I went right to that article because I put it in there. We're just being soft. That's it. Not getting into bodies, scared of some contact. He called soft, out Bam too. He said he should play bully ball. Yeah, and Bam's well, an all star. Well, I mean, if he you, did this uh, in Chicago, I mean, oh no question but about that. But if you look at if you look at the team, you look at the <laughs> I don't team. Want to bring that up. You know, you <laughs> look at the team that they have down there. Um, you know, Duncan Robinson's not going to scare you with intimidation. No. I mean, he's not that type of player. But they play a role down there. You know, if they're making shots, you look a lot more menacing. Mm -hmm. When you're not making shots teams go at you and how do you if you want to really get into a shooter and change the way they play you make them defend you make them defend you on the other end so those guys tyler hero duncan robinson they're they're guarding killers every night at that position it's not like they're guarding power forwards mm -hmm. centers they're guarding ones and twos and they have to defend those guys and that's how you defend shooters you make them work on the defensive end so therefore late in the game they don't have the legs to shoot and that's what teams have figured out play them physical when they come off screens punch them bang them punch them in the mouth jimmy's going to play physical so that's not going to be an issue i think Dragic is physical for a point guard but there's a couple of young players there now that teams are starting to figure them out and now have they they made the adjustment on them now, would those young players make the adjustment on how they're being played? Well, you know, missing Jay Crowder, he played there last year, and, and watching Mar uh, Marcus Smart, Jay Crowder plays for the Suns now. That's the kind of player that you're talking about. Player with dog in him. Yeah. You dog. Need you, need, you need dogs. You need alpha dogs that, you know, guys, you know, like I said, you don't go to a gunfight with a knife. You know, and, and you look at a guy like, you know, Jay Crowder and you pair him with Jimmy Butler. They play together in Marquette, so they have an understanding of, of each other. They push each other. They're very physical. Uh, if there's a fight, you want Jay Crowder, Crowder or Jimmy <laughs> Butler in your in your corner. Mm -hmm. If I got to get in a fight, I don't know if I'm going to take Duncan Robinson. 
I don't know if I'm going to take Tyler Hero. If, I used to. One of my you know, favorite things was when Jimmy Butler got into it with, was it Nene? Nene, yeah. And and Stacy's call, man. Oh, it's just like he's calling a heavyweight fight. And, you know, and <laughs> it Jim, was a heavyweight but, fight. But Jimmy, you, you guys. Oh, he, Jimmy's not going to back down anybody. They went, they went it, nose to nose, yeah. head to head. And and step in. You're going to step in. I mean, just, you know, obviously in the, in the best of king. But, oh, man, I miss those times, man. Yeah, man. Who's on your all-dog team? In this day and age, yeah, I would or, say I would say because it's not fair to because everybody was a dog in the nineties. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, if I, I mean, everybody, everybody that played. Portland team had some. I dogs. mean, if if I was Woo. if I was to go a nineties dog team, I would say Xavier McDaniel would be on there. I would say Oakley would be on there. Um, I would put Anthony Mason on there. Two Knicks <laughs> on there. Um, I would put I would put like Maurice Lucas. Go back and look at some Reese Lucas video of him just beating people up, like physically, like yeah. fist oh, fight yeah. beating people yeah. up. He was good with his hand game, man. His knuckle game was real good. Um, and I would probably say, uh, man, I would probably say, it's interesting. My favorite would be, yeah, I put Robin as a dog. I put I put Bill Lambeer as, as a dog too. I I didn't, I didn't like playing against Bill Lambeer, but I would I would have him on my team. Because mm -hmm. he, 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 Rick Mahorn. I mean, there's a lot of dogs. Yeah. You know, there's also, there, you know, in this league, there's a lot of cats. <laughs> you know, you got to, you got to, for every dog, you got to have a cat. Yeah, the and, famous and, uh, yeah, Coach Prescott. Yeah, 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 meow. Meow. <laughs> I, I don't need no, I don't need, I need dogs. I need dogs. I don't yeah. need cats. You know, meow. You know, they can't, meow. I don't need that. We'll know? get that in the bubble up folder, yeah. too. Yeah, get uh, that yeah, one. Yeah, right But there are some cats outside. out there. There's some guys, there's some guys in this league that, you know, that, wolf a lot but you know you know deep down if if it came push to shove they would not want to get in the mix up you know I, I like say i, I, I say draymond Kat. green is I, yeah. I say Draymond. i mean draymond green plays a great role for you know golden state but i just think like he wolfs a lot like he he's a guy like if it really came down to a knuckle game like i'd like to i'd like to see what he would do like if someone <laughs> challenged him like saying like like kevin durant if kevin durant would have challenged him when he got yelled at in, right. in L.A. that time. I would like to see what Draymond would have done. Because yeah. Steve, Steve yeah. Kurt, Steve Kurt, people don't know this. Steve Kurt tested Draymond Green out his first year. Steve Kurt, man, Steve Kurt went at him in the locker room. They they had to be separated. You know, Steve Kurt don't mess around. People think Steve Kurt's got that that good old boy, the next-door neighbor. Yeah, yeah, you know, next-door neighbor to date your daughter type of guy. Well, didn't he go yeah. after MJ? He's a killer. Didn't he, he didn't back down? No, he didn't back down. He went after me. He went after you. Yeah, he got choked. <laughs> but he went after me. When they were in Cleveland, when we played Cleveland in the playoffs, Danny Ferry hard fouled Michael Jordan, I think in, I want to say game five in Cleveland. I mean, just, just it, the game, I mean, Michael was going for a layup, and Ferry came out of nowhere and just, like, cleaned his clock. And it, we had, players had to be separated. Mm -hmm. And then they took Danny Ferry out the game because they knew there was going to be retaliation, which there was. There was going to be major retaliation. And they took him out of the game. And hit him. Didn't come back. Okay, didn't come back. He was only putting that game to do that. And then they hit him. So we come back to Chicago. The game plan was, Phil, the game plan was payback. We're going to get Danny Ferry. We don't care what point of the game it is. <laughs> we're going to get him. And Cleveland knew this. They knew this. So they didn't play him. Because they brought him in there just for that specific thing to try to hurt Jordan. So they didn't bring him in. So he comes in in garbage time. You know, we're up. We're killing Cleveland. It's like we're up 20, 25 or something. And so they put him in the game. It's like the last four minutes of the game. So they think it's it's over. 
They think the hit's been canceled. <laughs> you know, they think the hit's off. Don Coley yeah, they think, it they, off. they think they called off the hit. The hit is on, baby. The, the Chicago, we don't forget. We do not forget. So they bring him in the game, and the crowd's booing him because they knew. They, you know, boo, boo. So the, the game plan was before the game. Phil said, listen, when this kid comes in the game, take him down. No matter what he does, take him down. Hard foul him. Get him back. And so... Everybody knew the game plan. The hit was out. You know, the mob boss made the hit. He said, it was out. So he didn't come in the game till like the last four minutes of the game. So I was in the game. Will was in the game. I think Cliff Levinson was in the game. So we had our second team out there, and we were just killing them. And so he comes in the game. So the game plan was like, we were talking, like, <laughs> the hit's on. All right, whoever gets, if he, if he gets to the basket, we know what we're doing. Everybody's agreeing. So play comes up. I'm on the opposite side guarding, I think, Mike Sanders or somebody. And he was in a pick and roll, and he dove to the basket. Will Purdue had a chance to get him. Ugh. Will Purdue had a chance to get him. He could have did a Luka Broski on him, but he didn't do it. <laughs> Will let him go. So I'm watching the whole play transpire because I'm like, okay, Will's going to get him. Will's going Will's to clothesline him or something. He's going to get him. Will let him go. Wow. I, don't, I, I think he thought the hit was over. <laughs> I, thought he, I think it was late in the game. I thought I think we'll just probably say, oh, it's not worth off. it. The game's over, whatever. No doing it. Well, Stacey King didn't think the game's over. Stacey King was programmed the hit was on. <laughs> so I'm like a Terminator. Yeah. I'm like I'm like the Terminator. No one has reprogrammed me to say it's not off. You know, it's not on. So I see him, and, you know, so I fly. I fly from the other, opposite side of the court. He's going up looking like he's got a pretty layup. He thinks it's sweet. You know, he's posing. Man, I jacked him his ass. <laughs> I, man, I came, I came out like I played football. Like I was a free safety. Man, I I tore his ass up. Took him out the air. Boom. Nailed him. And then I kind of walked over him like Pippen did uh, <laughs> Ewing. Yeah. I kind of walked over to him. Bench is clear. Because now Cleveland knows what happened. So the, the bench is clear. So you got Hot Rod Williams, Larry Nance. They're all, they're all jaw jacking. Scotty was in the game with us, too. So Scotty's, you know, trying to hold me back, and I'm walking past the Cleveland bench like, do something, do something. <laughs> what are y'all going to do? Oh. What are y'all going to do? So I'm walking by the bench, and Steve Kerr was the only one that challenged me. He came up to me. He's like, you know, that's, that's you know, effing Bush League. You know, and he's cursing at me. And I'm looking at this little dude. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like man, I, I said, yo, man, get out of my face, you know? Fine. And so he was like, he was like, so he starts, he starts getting in my face. You know, uh, I should kick your ass. And I'm like, and then when he said that, it's just in, impulse, impulse. I grabbed him like he was a tube, tube of toothpaste. And I just started squeezing him. I just started squeezing his throat. And he was like, you know, and I'm like, you little worm, you know. And then so they broke it up. Scotty pulled me off of him. And so then I had to go to the locker room. And then after that, after that was over. You know, MJ came, we went in the locker room, and of course I got fined and got in trouble for it. Uh, but back in the hey, day. Hey, all fines. Yeah, you know, yeah, the, 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 the mob boss paid it off. You know, hey, you, know, you awesome. do. So we get in the locker room, and uh, MJ came up to me and, and basically said, thank you for getting them. I appreciate you having my back, yada, yada, yada. So uh, that was pretty cool. So what was your conversation like with Steve when he joined the Bulls <laughs> in 93? You know what? It was, it was me and Steve were cool, though, before that. like yeah. Because I played against Steve in the Final Four at Arizona. When he was in Arizona, we beat them, of course. And, um, and he, Steve had his worst game 
ever as a collegiate, he would tell you that against us. And Mookie just frustrated him. I mean, Mookie, I think Mookie just like basically put handcuffs on him the whole game. And after the game was over, he threw the keys and said, thanks, you know, free yourself anytime. <laughs> he couldn't <laughs> score. But but we were we were cool. Steve is cool. Steve is a friend of mine. But it was just the heat of the moment sure. in a in a situation that was that required a payback. That's how the nineties were. If you get one of ours, like what what, what in, in uh, uh my man Sean Connery, yeah, you put one of them in the hospital, we put you in the morgue, right? Yeah. There you go, whispers, whispers, yeah, yeah. That's it's a movie line. It's a movie, yeah. See, <laughs> but that's how it was. That's how it was. If you do something to us, we're gonna get you back, yeah. and that's just how it was. Just like in baseball, if you you know you you do something to show a team up, you're gonna get a fastball in the ear hole. It's <laughs> just the way it is, yeah. and everybody knows it. Now, like was Houston. that was that like when you guys played uh, back in the day? Was there any retribution or did you have to? Not going to fight in a rec league game. Yeah, you're not going to fight. What kind of person is going to fight in a rec league <laughs> Wait game? Wait a second. No, no, there was. Yeah, thank you. It happens all, I hear it all the time. You, fight in a rec, you do it in a rec league game? You're That's why I don't play in rec leagues. Then you got an anger problem, man. <laughs> no, who, who's fighting in a rec league? <laughs> I, not me. I'm just. You never choked anyone in a rec league? Yeah. <laughs> oh, have, yeah, have yeah. I ever? Yeah. yeah. What? Yeah. What? <laughs> oh, here it comes. He's got selective oh, amnesia. I think. Oh, yeah. What? <laughs> no, tell me. Tell me. What? what? Oh, I'm not going to bring up names. They might be listening. <laughs> we hope they're listening. We hope they're listening. Yeah. No, Tell a story. Oh, there was, jeez. Uh, <laughs> oh, you said there's more than one? we get started with this. <laughs> There was, a, there was a few. Okay, we're not listening to Whispers. We're not. That, that's a different story, different chapter, and a different book. We're not listening. Whispers got too much information. Yeah, whispers to go back into his Pfizer yeah, coma. Yeah, so we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about that yeah, coming later. up later. Yeah, put him back on ice. Stacy mentioned the 1988 Final Four. We're going to reflect more on that with our special guest. Danny Manning is next. I was cheated. Give me the sauce. Give my ring. Robbery. Give my ring, Manning. Give my ring. The hit is on. Saucy. NCAA championship game, the University of Oklahoma against KU. And that day, Danny Manning came out on top. You know, when we started this segment, Stacy had a big smile on his face. And, and now, oh boy. You know oh what? boy. I'm getting I'm, a two piece. I'm about ready to jump across the table and our little producer over yeah. here, Stinger. John was you know, doing Mr. some homework. Comedy. Unearthed that, uh, that piece of audio. Yeah, he, you know, that, that was uncalled for, John. First of all, first of all, we had a meeting last night, yesterday. You didn't say anything about this kind of stuff. It was a surprise attack, okay? Well, I, I, let's get to Danny because, I mean, it was his game, and you're always telling me to put some bump backs in, so I just thought it would be Yeah, nice. let's welcome in our special yeah. guest today, the great Danny <laughs> Manning. There's going to be some fights in this room. There's going to be some furniture moving. <laughs> long-time rival of Stacey King during their days playing at Kansas and Oklahoma, respectively. Of course, Danny had a long career in the NBA. He's been a head coach on the college level, now doing some great broadcasting work. 
Danny, thank you for joining us on Give Me the Hot Sauce. And when you heard that audio, what brought what kind of memories that bring back? You know what? That brings back a lot of memories, but more so just for the where college basketball was at at that point in time. You know, when, when we were playing in the Big Eight, I mean, every night we played up against an NBA quality player, whether it was, you know, you talk about the Oklahoma team that was so talented, but even in our league, Derek Chivas, Jeff Grayer, you know, the list just went on and on about the competition that you faced, whether it was John Starks at Oklahoma State. And so for me, I, I just reflect back and, and think about all the, the great battles that we had and how much fun it was. I, I remember, you know, coming up and, and as a freshman and and my first couple of years in, in the Big Eight, and I could just remember how competitive it was. Like every single night, man, it didn't matter who you played. You could go down to Colorado, who used to be the bottom of the, the Big Eight, and they would play you tough. So there was no nights off. You know, you talk about Derek Chivas. You remember Mitch Richmond, Norris Coleman, you know, Ron Kellogg. You guys had all that that talent that you had at Kansas, Greg Dryling. I mean, it was Pony Thompson. I mean, there was so much talent in the Big Eight. It was probably one of the best conferences during that that era. Yeah, I believe so. I mean, night in and night out, like you said, no no easy nights. Then you look at that draft class, that, you know, the guys that got drafted during our era in the NBA, I thought that was a pretty special group as well. Now, Stacey doesn't like us to bring up the uh, that NCAA championship game that often. I mean, every every time we bring it up, he kind of gives us a dirty look like, what are we talking about that for? You know, bring up the punches, Tyson, which is this famous, famous line. Uh, when you look at that game, Stacey always reminds us that they beat you twice during the regular season. And what was different in that championship game? What was the attitude in the locker room when you're getting ready to take the court, knowing that they had beaten you a couple of times and you'd have to turn the tables on? What was the game plan going in? Well, the game plan for us going in was, you know, we knew defensively they were going to heat us up. They had terrific guards, especially led by Mookie Blaylock. So we knew we had to take care of the basketball. But for us, we just wanted to go play and have fun. We were playing with house money at that point in time. You know, we were playing 30 minutes away from our campus and no one expected us to be there. But every time that we lost a game, you know, we lost a lot of games that year. We watched the film. Coach Brown would always tell us, you're this close, you're this close, you're this close. And so for us, when we get got to the Final Four, we had a level of familiarity with both teams because we played them during the regular season. And, you know, we went back and we watched tape, and Coach Brown made all his corrections. But at the end of the day, we just wanted to go ball and have fun. The one thing I, the one thing I remembered about you guys, you know, even though we beat you, you know, during the regular season twice, and it's always tough to beat a team a third time, the fact that we couldn't stop you, it was we were always able to stop everybody else, and that was our game plan. It's like, okay, Danny's going to get his. We know that he's a great player, but let's shut every everybody else down. And the one thing that, that we saw in the finals is guys stepping up that we did not account for. I mean, you you guys had a foot walk-on football player, Clint Normore. He's, he's, yep. he's, he's in my brain every night <laughs> because this is a guy who didn't really – wasn't a scorer. You know, he was just, you know, a football player. And he came in and played huge. You had, you know, Chris Piper. You know, we knew he's a rebounder. We knew he's, you know, tough, tough guy. But we didn't account for him to do the things he did in that game and Kevin Pritchard. We knew you and Milt Newton – were the two best players. So we had to try to slow you guys down the best we could. But it was those other guys that came, the miracles, as they call them, that uh, really, really caused us some problems. You know, Stacy, for us during our run, that was that was kind of our MO throughout the tournament. We, you know, we didn't know who it was going to be. <clears throat> but every time we played, somebody had a really good game. You know, whether we were playing at the Pontiac Silverdome to go to the Final Four, Scooter Berry 
plays really well. Kevin Pritchard comes back from an injury after the Big Eight tournament, and he, you know, played well. Milk did his thing. So every game, it was just somebody different that that did a little bit more than what they normally do to get us over the hump. You know, you mentioned Oklahoma's great guard. Stacy always tells us that those little guys that screwed up at the end, they didn't get him the ball. That was the problem. Yeah, that that could be a problem. I, I kind of agree with him with that one. Yeah, those guys were those. But but you know what? Their team. It was always fun to play Oklahoma and Coach Tubbs' teams because it was going to be fun. It was going to be an up and down affair, and there were going to be a lot of points to it because Oklahoma always pushed tempo and they controlled tempo. And when they controlled it, they liked to get up and down. And so. As a player, you always enjoy playing those types of games, especially for us because, you know, our coach, Coach Brown, I mean, he's a great coach, the best coach I ever played for. And, you know, he doesn't like to play that fast all the time. So for us to play up against Oklahoma, it was it was just, hey, let's just go hoop, let's go play and, and have some fun. Let's go back and look at that first half because you guys kind of tricked us. You kind of lulled us into – uh, thinking that we were going to play a fast-paced game, you guys were going to try to run with us, and so when we went when oh, when we went in at halftime, we were excited because we felt like you guys could not keep that pace. That was something you guys were not, you know, you weren't doing all season long, and that we kind of felt you were out of your element. So when we came back at halftime, after halftime, we were like, okay, we finna run these dudes out the gym, and then all of a sudden, y'all slowed the pace down. Y'all went back to the, the KU that you normally are, spread the floor, isolation, and let you beat people off the dribble and create. So what was your thinking after halftime? Was that, was that your Coach Brown's you know game plan, is to try to run first, you know, tease us, and then pull back? Yeah, I mean, going into the game, I don't know if Coach Brown wanted us to run at the pace we ran in the first half, but everything was going so well. The game was close and things of that nature. Now, we got in at halftime, and he was just like, okay, guys, now we need to play at our pace. Now we need to make sure that we dictate how things go. And so for us, we're looking around like, hey, man, it's 50-50. We're balling right now. What are you talking about, Coach? <laughs> and so uh, he's like, no, no, no. We've got to do some things differently. we got to do what we did um, to win ball games from this point forward. And that's kind of what we went to. So you're right. You know, we slowed down the tempo and we got into more of our, our half court, court sets. And, you know, we had a lot of guys, you know, especially Milk. You know, Milk doesn't get enough credit or attention for the game that he played in that championship game. I mean, he was spectacular. Yeah, he was huge. He made some unbelievable uh, NBA-style move baskets. It was like, you know, but the one thing, like, you know, when we were – and towards the end of the game, the game was close. And I, I think, and we still talk, me and Harvey talk about this when we go to our reunions all the time. We felt like, you know, I was a leading scorer in the tournament that year. And, you know, going into that game, you know, Dave Seeger, our wing was really hot. Like he hit like yes, seven threes. I mean, it was unbelievable. <laughs> I was over there yelling, keep shooting it, Dave, keep shooting it. <laughs> but then Dave forgot when you go in at halftime, there was a longer halftime, you know, because yeah. they were doing all these presentations that you got to get back into a rhythm. You got to get back into a flow. And then he, they just kept shooting and they were not making them. <laughs> forgot and, about and the And they game. forgot about me and Harvey Grant. Yeah. And we, me and Harvey had 14. I had 14 at the half. I think Harvey had. 13 or 14 and a half, but we didn't get the ball in the second half. And, and I thought that was a, the big difference, but Danny, I'm not gonna lie. You, <laughs> we couldn't do anything with you, man. It was, <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. I can say this after about 30 years, it, it took me a while to admit this, but I'm admitting it now. You, you, you did kill us because you, 
to me, I feel like you were the start of the point forwards, you know, that we see now in the NBA with how the NBA is gone with the guys that are 6'9", 6'10", that's handling the ball. I kind of think you set the tone for like Lamar Odom, um, you know, being that, you know, big 6'9", 6'10", guy that could, that could actually handle the ball and facilitate offense. Do you think you were the trendsetter when that kind of, when you kind of, you know, you look back on this? You know what, since I don't know if I was a trendsetter, but for me, um, and guys my size, when Magic Johnson and Larry Bird hit the NBA and started doing what they were doing, it gave gave me a lot of energy and it gave me a lot of motivation. Because up until that point, it was big guys aren't supposed to dribble the basketball. You got to run down. The only place you can be is in the paint. You know, those types of things. And, you know, I'm growing up playing basketball and I'm looking at some of the coaches that I got and I go, I dribble better than that guy. He's the point guard. <laughs> I pass better than that guy. And he's your point guard. I mean, so for me, it was just, you know, I grew up with a father as a coach. And so it was all around skill set. I had great coaches growing up. And so it was just do it, do a lot. And then also, you know, this, Stacey, when you play with the older guys, when you're good for your age, you play with the older guys. And when you play with the older guys, what do they tell you to do? Pass the ball. Pass the ball. Pass the ball. Yeah, you're not out here to shoot, young fella. Get me the ball. Yep. And so I went through a lot of that growing up, too. And, um, you know, so for me, it was just trying to be an overall complete player. And, you know, that's the way I, I needed to play to be effective because my body didn't allow me to be a true banger or a guy to go down into the post and, and stay down there repeatedly time and time again and take that type of pounding. So, you know, for me, it was all about just being a complete basketball player. And, um, you know, I played for a great coach that gave me a chance to, to showcase that. Stacy, you ready to move on from the NCAA championship game? You re- can we move on to other topics? Or? Mark, you know what? Your, your comments are not going unnoticed, okay? All right. We are going to get Stacy a couch today because this is like therapy. therapy you know, yeah. lay you know back what? I'm, I'm over it, okay? Okay, okay. I'm over it, okay? You, you guys are going to be moving furniture. Right there, I'm telling you right now. So. Well, we're going to get give Danny a little therapy now from the highs of the NCAA championship to the 1988 Olympic experience. We, we talked in our production meeting yesterday. Stacy said that the selection of the roster was, was kind of odd and that Stacy was injured, so he didn't get a chance to compete. What was that experience like for you? Obviously, you know, John Thompson wanted to put together a squad that could play his style, but in the end, it didn't work out, and that led to the, the dream team concept in 92. Yeah, we paved the way for Dream Team. That's how I look at it. Uh, <laughs> you, know, you, know, for, for, you know, for me personally, that was uh, that was a terrible game that we lost. But, you know, and I played bad. And I do think if I would have played better, we would have won the ball game just as a competitor. But I look at that roster that we competed up against, and, you know, that was the first time I had ever put my eyes on Sabonis. And it seems like he gets a rebound, in the air, one hand and throws an outlet pass behind his back to Marshall Lewis at half court, <laughs> right in stride. And then I'm looking around like, oh boy. <laughs> oh man, these these are these are men we're playing up against. And so, you know, it was a it was a difficult experience because of the way that US had dominated Olympic basketball with so many gold medals. And so not to achieve the goal was very disappointing. You're proud to represent your country. And I thought the team we had was a really good team. I just thought that they they were they were better that night. Without question, they were better. They were more talented in terms of their experience in the game because they were pros. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, for re- us, we just we couldn't couldn't keep up. And I think if we'd have played them in a series, I think it would have been a really competitive series. But you know, Sabonis was really good. 
I talk about, you know, the experience that, that, you know, we had with uh, John Thompson during that Olympic trials and, <clears throat> you know, how I came away with so much more respect for him. I, I knew he was a tough coach, um, you know, but when we got down there, we kind of saw how tough he was. Uh, he always made us walk to practice at Car uh, Colorado Springs from the dorm. Uh, when we were at Georgetown, you know, he, he had a pulse of what everybody was doing. Like if you went out, he knew about it. So you just like, <laughs> you like, you, you didn't want to do anything because you knew he would find out about it. But I had a, a, a greater appreciation for him. He ended up being a very, very good confidant and a good friend for me. What was your experience like with him? It was, you know, especially as I, I continued to, to to mature and I got into the coaching realm. You know, he was always someone that I enjoyed spending time with. It was always a warm embrace. But you're right. I mean, <clears throat> we're playing for John Thompson. We're in that gym on campus. And, you know, you just think about, man, Pat Ewing was in here. You know, Patrick Ewing. This is this is Hoya paranoia. This is where it all started. Yep. And then you get out there and, and you hear his baritone voice. You hear those whistles blowing. And you it's like, I mean, I still remember things that he said to us as a coach. You know, the the common sense ain't so damn common. Yep. You know, when somebody <laughs> makes a mistake or, 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 or do something. And and so for me, it was an experience that I really appreciate over time. Um, but I thought it was tough when we were there. I yeah. mean, we're practicing two times a day. Um, and we've got three meals in and what we're back in our room done with everything by seven 30 or so. Yep. And then we're ready to do it again the next day. And, you know, you're just like, like, I, I, I believe in my heart one day he went to sleep while we were running drills. Yeah. He was just blowing the whistle. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just like, I remember. I remember him getting mad at us and saying, "Every we somebody messed up a play or didn't do something he wanted." He said, "Get on the line," and then he just blew the whistle and he just kept blowing the whistle and we just yeah. kept running. And remember, Miss Finland came down and said, "You know, John, they're gonna miss the meal." And she, and if it wasn't for Miss Finland, Mary Finland, yeah. we would have still been running. That that we probably be running right now in our fifties. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, but I mean, you know what, really, like you say, see, a great appreciation for who he was, what he did in the game of basketball and the, the way, I mean, he paved the way for a lot of us without question, especially in the coaching ranks. And so you really have a great appreciation for, for what he did, but he was certainly a very um, challenging coach um, and someone that uh, made us all better. Danny, let's move on to your NBA career. Unfortunately, you suffered a, a serious knee injury early in your career. And, and when you look back on your NBA experience, uh, what are your overall thoughts? Do you feel like that, that injury really hurt what kind of player you might have been in the league? You know what? I don't know because that was not the hand I was dealt. You know, I blew my knee out 26 games or so into my rookie year, and that's all I, I, I know. And then I did it two more times throughout the course of my career. Um, I will say that my college experience – helped prepare me to go through that type of adversity because I had a teammate in Archie Marshall who was actually from yep. Oklahoma yep. who who blew his knee out a couple of times and I saw him rehab and get back. And so that gave me a, a different perspective in it because when I blew my knee out, Bernard King was in the midst of his comeback mm -hmm. from an ACL. And at that time, those injuries were almost considered career-threatening. So I feel very fortunate and blessed to make it back. And that, to me, is probably one of the uh, – marks that you know if i'm going to say something i'm very proud of is being able to come back from three of those throughout the course of my career so you know i don't look back on the what would have been you know the only thing that i 
projected when I hurt my knee each time was I'm still 6'10", so if nothing else, I can be a true post player. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is true. I, I I will say this, though, about you, Danny. I know I know we've we've faced you in, with the Clippers and um, in Atlanta and you used to give us problems. I mean, on the, on the scouting report, you know, it was always like, you know, put pressure on him, pressure him up the floor. Don't let him come up the floor and, and make decisions with the ball. He'll kill, cut us apart. So we always respected you offensively in the way you do things. That's why when I look at today's game, you know, and you see how many big guys like LeBron and, and all these guys that can handle the ball, that can initiate mm -hmm. offense. And you just, you know, you go back and you go, man, we had guys in our era that did that. You know, there was not a lot of them, but we had a, we had some really good players and you were one of them. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. But, you know, so I look at like when I when we came in the league, it was the size of the league was so much bigger. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, I came in the league. I'm playing a small forward. Harvey's playing small forward. Detlef Shrimp, Derek McKee, James Worthy. I mean, you got guys that are six, nine, six, ten playing the, the small forward spot. And, you know, you look at today's game and I think the international flavor in today's game is something that. You know, for me, I, I think you would have been a tremendous player. You were a tremendous period. But in this game, because of being able to score the basketball, you know, there's a premium now on offensive basketball skill set. I mean, you watch it day in and day out when you're calling your games. But the offensive flow and the creativity that coaches use, the spacing on the floor, um, it's I enjoy watching it. I think it'd be a fun to be a part of it in terms of as a player, but it's fun to watch because I think you see more of a general overall skill set and people are appreciating it more. You know, Danny, we always like to ask the guys that come on that played during Stacy's era, you know, their reflections on the last dance documentary. I think today is the one year anniversary of when it premiered last year. And it's amazing that one year has gone by already. But when you watch those clips, what stood out from your own personal experience of going up against Jordan and Stacy and those great Bulls teams and, and seeing how Jordan looked back on that time? Well, I might be one of the only few people that didn't watch it in its entirety. Wow. Um, you know, I was navigating getting fired around then. So I was, <laughs> <laughs> More important life things going on. Yeah. yeah. I, I had a few other things going on on my plate. So I watched a few of the episodes. You know what? It was it was fun to see. I thought the creative genius of when it came out and what was going on at that time yeah. hit at a perfect time. And for me, it was I lived it. You know, Stacy lived it. So it's just like, yeah, yeah, those guys were good. <laughs> you know, and they did it in a lot of different ways. And I had a lot of different guys that contributed. So for me, it was it was nice to see because I could reflect back and, and think of the memories of playing up against those talented teams. And, you know, one of my better friends in the NBA was a part of it and Ron Harper. And we used to talk about it all the time. So it was a unique period of time. I feel very fortunate to have played during that era to experience some of that in terms of just how good the Bulls were. You know, I mean, it's, I, I think the longer that it goes past, sometimes people really don't have the appreciation for what they did night in and night out during an 82 game NBA season. You know, I mean, that, that is hard to do. Um, it's hard to stay healthy for an NBA season yep, yeah. and let alone to play at the level they play at and to win games at that level. I can't imagine. And, and the closest team that I ever had to winning games 
in a manner like that was my first year with the Suns with Kevin Johnson, um, Charles Barkley, of course, and, and Dan Marley and that group that lost to the Bulls in the championship. Because when I got to Phoenix, their attention to detail was something that I'd never witnessed before because of the Bulls. You know, when they're mm-hmm. just like, you know, that, that, that we run up against the Bulls, that ain't going to help us win. That's not going to help us win. And so the impact that they had, not only optically from the outside world, but inside the NBA and guys knowing, wow, we've, we've got to really do something special and hold ourselves accountable to be able to compete with a team like that. Yeah, that's, um, those are some good games. Now, now you've been college coach for a while now. And, you know, when you, you know, it's, it's, my question is to you is, it's like, how difficult is it to coach today's college kids compared to when you came in as a freshman to playing with Larry Brown and coming to KU? What, what has changed? What, what is the mentality? What, what, what has changed with today's college player compared? Because I know everybody wants to get to the NBA. That's the goal, one and done. But how, how difficult is that for you as a coach, knowing that you may have players that have aspirations to play in the NBA and they're ready to leave? Um, you know, I, I think guys that are in college now, they're in a race. They're in a race to get through and get to that next level without knowing how hard it is to stay at that level. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's the, that's the tough part. And then, I mean, and it's, it's also kind of a, you go sit in a, a living room and you talk with the parents, you talk with the kid, you talk with the AAU coach, you talk with the workout guy, you talk with the strength and conditioning person, you talk with this person. And it's, it's almost, it's offensive at times to hear them say, in such a dismissive, oh, he's just going to play in the NBA. Anyone look at him and go, you think that shit's that easy? Yeah. Do you really think it's that easy? <laughs> like, you know, there are only 400 of these jobs out there. You think you're just going to sashay in and just take somebody's job? Like, they're just going to say, oh, here you go, take my job? Like, you have no idea. And so for me, it was, I understand how hard it is. And it's a balancing act. You know, I walked and sat in so many living rooms where kids were going to tell me, and their parents would say, oh, my child is a, a one and done. And I'm looking at that kid like, no, he can be a great college player. I'm saying this in my mind. I didn't say it out, public, you know, out to him because I would have never got the kid. But <laughs> <laughs> you're saying he's a one and done. I'm looking at him going, no, he's a four and none. But that's okay because he can go to college. He can get his degree and have a great experience. But he's not on that level. And, and so that's the tough part of getting people to understand how good guys are on that level, how committed they are. You know, we're in college and, you know, you got guys moaning about we're practicing twice a day. Like, huh? Wow. Like, that's unheard of. And you sit back and you go, man, you got no idea. You got no yeah. idea what the offseason is like. In the offseason, you might go three or four times a day, depending on where you're at and ramping up, getting ready to go. Whether you go to the gym and you get your run in, you get your skill work in, you get your body work in. Yeah, You know, I mean, there's so many different things that you do. So them understanding exactly what it takes and that it's a job is, is, is a tough concept for them to understand right now because they only get the bits and snippets on the social media piece or on TV and they don't see everything that goes into it. They don't understand what goes behind the millions of dollars that LeBron puts into his body to prepare himself for an NBA season. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Danny, uh, you, we mentioned you're doing some broadcast work this year. Is your ultimate goal to get back into coaching at the major college level? I would. 
Yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I like sharing. I like teaching. I like the interaction with the players on the court and, and, and sharing. I've been very fortunate and very blessed on my journey, and, and I feel I need to play it forward. And so, you know, now it's just a matter of finding the, the right opportunity that I feel really comfortable with and going from there. You know, I've, I've only coached at three places, you know, assistant at Kansas, head coach at Tulsa, and head coach at Wake Forest. And for me, it's about being with people that I like, people that I enjoy working with. And, you know, that's kind of where I'm at right now. So I'm in the midst of trying to figure out a few things and, um, you know, I've been very fortunate to have a couple opportunities and, and we'll kind of see what the future holds in the next week or so. You know, the one thing I, I know, cause I, I, you know, I help Oklahoma recruit, you know, I'm one of those, mm-hmm. I come out of the closet. I'm a, I'm like the closer <laughs> Mariano Rivera when they get close to when they call me. And I, I know what that means to, to kids. Cause they know who you are. They know what you've done. They did their homework on you. What is it like when Danny Manning walks into someone's home, <laughs> do you get the instant credibility of being like, this guy was a national player of the year. He's one of the greatest college basketball players of all time. Does that, is that like your ace in your sleeve? Does that help you at all when you're recruiting? You know, Stacy, it, it helps with the parents and it might help with the high school coach or the AAU coach, but the kid, kids <laughs> don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kids, you know, they yeah. might be able to find, they'll find something on their phone after yeah. You know, their parents or the AAU coach or the high school coach goes, hey, you might want to look them up or, you know, something along those lines. So when we play, the only people that I remember in that stage are the parents and the coaches. So uh, and then once we get in with the kid, you know, we can share some of our experiences with them. But, you know, a lot of those kids, um, we're, you know. We're old, Stacy, man. That's just the way it is right now. That's just, that's just really crazy because I, I remember when, you know, guys like Don Haskins came into my house and how impressed I was and knew his background and, and the story behind him. When Larry Brown went and your dad walked into my house, I knew who they were. Like, I really, like, knew who those guys were when they came in. And it's amazing that these kids nowadays don't really know the history of not only college basketball, but even the NBA, you know, because if I saw Danny Manning, if I was a kid and I saw a coach coming in at six foot 11, walking to my house, I obviously know he played for somebody. He did something special because there's no way in the world he just walked around and just picked apples off trees. (laughs) So it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's different. It's different. You know, the today's generation, I mean, these kids have so many different things at their disposal, you know, um, and, and the crux of it is the phone. It's great, but it's also something that limits, them. you know, there are a lot of times, you know, you, you got guys that and you see it, it's they'll take the phone. I'm in the lab working, you know, and, and, and document everything with their phone or put up something on Instagram. And then you and then you sit down and you watch them play. And it's just like, man, you ain't gotten any better. Like, what, are, <laughs> what are you doing in the lab? And so, you know, getting guys to understand putting in the real work that's necessary. I mean, I think that's one thing. It's the 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 attention that's out there right now sometimes grabs a lot of these kids and, and leads them into a to a place that sometimes they can't get out of because now it's being done for, for entertainment and like supposed to love. Danny, I remember you playing. I lived in LA. I was a Clipper fan. I remember how hard you worked. Oh yeah, with the big brace, we used to go to the. You were the guy, huh? Sports arena. We used to (laughs) go to the sports arena. (laughs) Those teams were great, though. You mentioned Ron Harper, Doc Rivers, but. Take me back. I just I wore this jersey. I hope that you remember this moment. Oh, here we go. The king of the props. I'm wearing this Bo Jackson jersey. It's too tight. (laughs) tight. But I remember 
the day, it was like Danny Manning Day at Kauffman Stadium. You threw out the first pitch, and Bo oh, Jackson, and he you skipped. Did that pitch? I, I, I tried to find it, but <laughs> I not the pitch. He it booed was, you. It was Bo oh, Jackson. Yeah. The way he yeah. skipped across the diamond and came up to you, and your the look on your face was like, yeah. "What is this guy?" He, he got your autograph. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. How great yeah, was I that? that? I remember that. It was cool. I mean, we were our whole team was there for the opening, you know, whatever we were celebrating, um, opening day or whatever. And yeah, Bo Jackson comes out. It's like, you know, this is Bo Jackson. This is the dude that Bo knows everything, right? That's <laughs> yeah. the football, the baseball, the shoulder pads and the bat and the commercial. And the look at <laughs> oh, yeah. him, it's like, goodness gracious. But yeah, that was a fun moment for us, you know, to, to spend time with him and, you know, George Brett and all those guys, you know, cause you know, Kansas city, the Royals a big thing. So it was, it was a great experience. Was that after the national championship? It sure was. That sucks. <laughs> That's terrible. That's terrible, man. That's just bad memories. Hey, I got one more question for you. Is um, what do you what do you think about this portal? And you know, I know oh, wow, this year. Yeah. I know this year was a really tough year with the COVID and everything. And basically, every kid in college basketball got a free year. And mm -hmm. now you've got this portal. And you've got all these kids now jumping in this portal, going to different schools. What What is your take on that? Do you think it's good for college basketball, or is it just really good for the the player? I don't know. I think it depends on who you are and how you look at it. Um, I think the portal gives kids freedom to move around, which I'm okay with. But it also it makes it more of a, a business, if you will, when you're putting together your team. Because now the mindset for a lot of coaches that I've spoken to, college coaches, is I'm putting together a team like an NBA mindset. We're doing it for one year. There's no more. I'm going to take this kid as a freshman, and by the time he's a junior, he's going to be really good. Kids don't want to hear that. They want to know that they're coming in and they're going to have an impact. They're going to start. They're going to play X amount of minutes or get X amount of shots right from the get-go. And – they want to do it without sometimes putting in the work to get to that point. And that makes it tough. Now, let me say this. When those kids put their names in the portal, they understand how tough of a business it is because there are more kids in the portal than the scholarships. Yeah. Now, if I'm a high school player, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to, to panic to a certain extent because if I'm a, I'm a college coach and I'm like, well, I don't know. This kid is really enticing to me because he's already played in college. Yeah. Yeah. He's already got some yeah. college experience. Now this freshman kid, he's, he could be really good, but if I'm building my team on a year by year basis, one year at a time, I might look at the older kid, the more experienced kid to have a quicker and bigger impact on my team than a true freshman. So there's so many ways to look at it but that's how a lot of the college coaches are looking at it right now it's like a freshman kid or a young man that's 19 or 20 years old mm -hmm. that's been in college basketball and has a level of experience very similar to the juco route back in the 80s yes when all the mm -hmm. like billy tubbs used to just raid the jucos that's how we got harvey grant and it's kind of similar now with this with this portal you're getting an experienced player that's got you know two three years, four years of experience. And plus they didn't lose a year this year. So basically this right. was a free year for, for guys to play, you know, and, and I, I just feel like it would be just so difficult for coaching because, you know, our new guy, Porter Moser at Oklahoma, 
he has an opportunity right now to lose three to four players out of the portal. And that's half, and those are all rotational players. So he's coming into a situation where he thought, like, hey, I got this returning guy, I got this returning guy, I'm, I'm going to be pretty set for the next couple of years, and those dudes are in the portal. And it's like, yeah. whoa. Yes, it's different. It's, you know, everybody, I mean, a lot of times when a new coach takes over, you're going to have some people leave for whatever reason. That's just, that's just the way it is. Um, but, you know, a lot of these guys now, I mean, the grass is always greener in a different pasture. And a lot of times they get over there and they realize that, wow, I, I had it pretty good where I was at. And so, you know, a lot of it is mindset. A lot of it is the people that are advising these kids. You know, they mean well because they want the best for that individual. But sometimes the information that they're giving or only listening to is something that they want to hear. You know, and so a lot of times it's not like, well, this is the best case scenario. But, you know, you know what? Have y'all talked about the worst case scenario? Because everything is not going to be peaches and cream everywhere you go. You're going to have to go through some adversity and hardship. And I think that's the toughest thing now. You alluded to JUCO players when we were coming up. But, Stacey, they only went to one school and then they went to their next four-year college. Yeah, You got kids now in the portal that will have gone to four schools. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Like four schools. I mean, that's, that's a pro mindset, right? Yeah. I mean, in terms of, you know, I'm, I'm going here for this year. I go here this year and I go here this year. And everybody's situation is different and circumstances are different. It might have been coaching changes. It might have been philosophy changes with those coaching changes. I get it. But can you imagine that? There are kids that will leave college playing at four different. Schools. That's crazy. I, w- I would never, I would never have thought that it could ever happen. Yes. You know, so it's, that's the day and age that we live in. And, you know, the freedom part for these kids of being able to pick up and move is good, but they also have to understand that what the coaches are picking from and the options that they have they're you know, you got options to go get some experience. You got options to go get a talented player that understands his role a little bit more than maybe a, a young kid walking in the door. So I think it's going to be an eye opener for a lot of the high school kids. I think it's going to be an eye opener for a lot of the kids that put their name in the portal because they think that the grass is greener on the other side and they might not get the opportunities that they were hoping for or told that they were going to get. And then they're going to have to settle for something. And then when you settle for something and you don't like it, when you get there, what's going to happen again the following year? Yeah. You're right back in the portal. Now, now with the way the new, the new college system is, and all these kids get a chance to test the pro water, they get a chance to, you know, not hire an agent with the opportunity to come back. Okay. So my question, tell the listeners who may not know this, like, okay, what is your process as a coach? Do NBA personnel come to you and say, okay, Danny, you got, you know, such and such John Jackson as your two guard. Here's our a fair evaluation of this kid who, who wants to go pro, but he hasn't hired an agent. We don't think he's ready. We think he needs to be seasoned another year. Okay. So now you've got that information. Do, is it that you go talk to the player and his family or is it, how does that tra- how does that get to the player to realize that okay this is what the NBA people are saying about you and do they take it seriously or do they think oh you just saying that just to keep me here You know Stacy and for me how I handle those situations when you have an underclassman who wants to declare or find get NBA feedback you fill out paperwork and when okay. I we fill out the paperwork we put 
the information for the parents, the kid, and me, the head coach or the coach. And so when that information comes back, it comes to all three of us. And then from there, I have a three-way call with the NBA, kid and his family, and myself. And all I do is just listen to what the NBA says. I have in my mind what I feel is going on, where that kid is at, but yet and still, um, if you tell them the truth, will you tell them the truth? A lot of times, you know, some resentment could creep in there because they do revert back to saying, well, you're just trying to keep me here. And so for me, the best way to handle that is the dialogue is open and it's three-way, but it's coming from the NBA. This is, And they'll tell you, this is, we think you'll get drafted first round, top 15, or your mid first round, or your late first round, or your early second round, or your mid second round, or you're not drafted. You know, and, and I've had kids that get, get that feedback and it was percentage of you getting drafted is 10% late second round. And all that kid hears in their family is, I got a chance. <laughs> wow. Right? That's what they yeah, hear. They yeah. don't, they don't, that's, but, but you know how many other people are getting that same information, the feedback window for that? It's a ton of kids. There are two rounds. There are two rounds that you, you get drafted and only one is guaranteed. And, and, you know, and so for me, that's how I handled it because, you know, I tried it of saying, hey, this is what I think. Da, 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 da. Then you hear the kid go, man, you don't believe in me, coach. You don't. I, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just telling you what that next level is like and how <laughs> hard it is. And so for me, it was just a matter of I want to let the NBA give the feedback. Kind of sums it up, Stacey, the classic I'm line from. The, yeah, I'm going to let the NBA give the feedback. And if that they want to talk about it. I'll be happy to talk about it, but it's self-explanatory. It comes back out and they tell you exactly where they feel you're going to be drafted. And most of the time it's, it's pretty accurate. I was going to say, it kind of sums it up the classic line from Dumb and Dumber. So you're saying there's a chance. (laughs) (laughs) And the parents want to believe that there's a chance. Danny, we want to thank you so much for spending so much time with us today. We wish you best of luck in getting back into the college game. Look forward to seeing you coach once again on the NCAA level. And we'll look forward to watching your broadcasting work in the meantime. So thank you for joining us. And you'll always have those memories of that 1988 uh, NCAA. And I I just want to say I appreciate you not flashing that ring of that championship. You know, because we got the silver ring. I'm just glad you didn't show that ring. That's your true friend, Danny Manning. You're a true friend. All right, guys. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. Take it easy, bud. Stay in touch, boy. Off the wall coming up next on Give Me the Hot Sauce. A lot of fun catching up with Danny Manning, at least for most of us, as he told stories about the NCAA championship game. Uh, We're going to go off the wall now with something a little bit different. For those of you who are regular listeners and viewers of the show, you've seen Stacy's American Bullies. Uh, They were here for the last round, which was was a lot of fun. When we see uh, Brixton and Kobe Kai. So, you know, 
Stacy's been struggling at times with trying to train those pups and they get a lot of energy and, and we've all had experiences with dogs. We've all been dog owners in our time and you've probably seen photos or seen videos, clips of my little dog, Mimsy, which is a, a combination Maltese, Yorkshire Terrier, only about eight to 10 pounds. She's very feisty though, always wants to yap and run around and Every now and again, I got a good friend over. We have beers in, in down in the man cave, Stacy, and, and she likes to come down and, and she'll be really affectionate. And all of a sudden, she'll just turn on my friend and just start barking at him, just looking up at him. <laughs> just, just like it's an intruder, you know. She loves the guy, and then, and then all of a sudden, she'll just turn on him, you know, and start barking. So we decided we had to figure out some way to stop that. So what we tried to do was got you know get those little uh, they call them zap mats. You put them in front of the door if you don't want the dog to run out. So decided. Too much barking. Here's Susan. Oh. She's already anticipating. Yeah, she's all like, she's getting ready to call the Humane so Society. As you know, as you know, Stacey, sometimes, call. sometimes enough is enough. So, so, so little Mimsy had to get a taste of the old uh, dog mat. So, you know, stop the barking or you're going on the mat. Wow. So, you know, they got different settings yeah, as yeah, you're going to yeah, tell yeah, us yeah, about yeah. later. So just put her on there and jump straight up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is about she dogs did. is it, at least for this dog, it hasn't really worked. It hasn't been that effective. Really? You know, it should be really quiet and kind of go off with the tail between her legs and then just go right back and start barking at my friend again. So, wow. I don't know. You might have to like physically pick her up and put her on the pad. <laughs> <laughs> Throw her on it. Watch Throw her on it. Here, Mimsy. Throw her on the pad. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we're going to let Stacy wrap this up, but he's got a great story about that. But let's go over around the room. Whispers, you got a story uh, about a dog in your life? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Barking is, uh, is a problem. And my dog, it, we had to put on one of these auto collars that if you just start barking after whatever, yeah. a few barks start zapping them. And uh, he had it on, was outside, just barking like crazy for five minutes. And I'm like, this dog won't shut up. It's one in How the morning. How big of a dog is this? 25 pound mm -hmm. um, uh, King Charles Cavalier. And so oh. we, uh, oh, yeah, he wouldn't shut up though. And they, they, it's pretty loud That's for a little Susan. dog. Susan's, a, Susan's <laughs> just falling in love with everybody's dogs. So oh, little, the little oh. dogs. I, the little oh. dogs. Why are you so mean to the little dogs? <laughs> the yappy dogs. Hello, hello. Because I'd like to make an up. anonymous call to the Humane Society. Yes, we have some people that are mistreating dogs on the Gimme the Hot Sauce show. <laughs> so yeah, he, he keeps barking. So I figure I'll throw a can at him and. Kind of Which is always them. a good strategy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Drunken <laughs> stupor. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody so, knows. <laughs> I'll drive. Shut up, dog. <laughs> well, it's better than the beer bottles he usually gets. Yeah. Oh. Oh. You made society. Oh. Yeah, oh. Yeah. Oh. I don't recall that chapter from dog training school. <laughs> well, well, the can hits him right in the, uh, the shot collar. Oh. Somehow, I thought at least it didn't hit him in the head, but <laughs> it goes off. And as he's running back in the house with the red LED shining on the snow, comes in the house, barfs on the floor, and is having a little bit of a convulsion. Had to take, had to take the collar off. Oh Gives the new meaning to auto tune. Yeah. Oh wow. my God! I, I just let him bark after that. <laughs> so you almost so he got he got so he got sick because of the shocks. Yeah, he came racing back to the house, and this thing because it wouldn't shut off. Then after he got hit by the can, how'd you get and the collar off then? I, I cut it off. I grabbed scissors. <laughs> We're doing surgery. Wow, yeah. Doctor Whispers yeah, is going in. Good. The dog is being electrocuted by a can in the throat, and he cuts the thing off. Wow. Now, now the yeah. dog sleeps in his bed. He's yeah. Like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it, was, it was ugly. Okay. We I don't know it. what's worse: the shot collar or throwing a can at it. I think throwing a can is the worst. I think I was going to hit him. And then the can is stuck like a magnet. Timmy gave him both. 
Yeah, yeah. The two-piece. Yeah, yeah, that's, 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 that's a traditional two-piece. Well, then I filled his bowl with beer. He was fine after that. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't think we should be giving dog training advice to Stacey. Yeah. Oh, my God. gosh. All right, yeah. Walsh, it's your turn. Well, as I mentioned, we should not get any kind of award for dog training because <laughs> our dogs are so poorly trained. But we have a yellow lab, Mr. Brady, and he was virtually impossible to train on the electric fence. But we did have one noteworthy incident. Just you know, just when you're sure he's trained and he's never going to blow through the gate again, um, there was a guy. He was he had to be three bills. Just had <laughs> surgery on his knee. Had no business riding a bike. So he's riding a bike, dra- you know, with a dog on a leash, which I think is just ridiculous to begin with. And Mr. Brady, I don't know, he got triggered and he blew through because he wanted to run with him. Yeah. And the guy ran him over. He had oh, tread, wow. marks, tread marks across his stomach and the guy oh. fell off his bike and it got really ugly. And he's, you know, I'm going to sue your ass and just. Really? Yeah. Is Mr. Brady okay? A neighbor. Oh, yeah, Mr. Brady. I mean, he, after getting shocked and yeah. run over, he, wow. <laughs> he couldn't have cared less. And the guy blamed, blamed Mr. Brady. Well, oh, I mean, yeah. Yeah, he did. I mean, it's kind of, mis- I mean, Mr. Brady did. Now, that was his first thing. He Love yelled him. at, like, well, you got to control your dog. John, were you there? Yeah, yeah, I was, actually. Okay, how did you handle this situation at Southside? He was Amber? throwing passes to Mr. Brady. <laughs> well, I heard the, the ruckus. <laughs> not yeah. good, because I'm like, what do you mean? You just ran my dog over. You need to control your dog. And why are you riding a bike with a dog? <laughs> <laughs> John, I was thinking the same thing. I mean, why are you riding a bike You've with a dog? You don't look like You've you're capable of doing that, I said. <laughs> and he kind of looked at me, and he had some glasses on, and... and uh, he got back on his bike and hobbled away, and then I realized he like he lives like like two houses, not two houses, but two streets <laughs> over. I'm like, oh god, you know. But yeah, that was the end of it. So we drove him home, and when we got to his house, he had a huge oh, Packer flag. Oh, that's right. Thought, we drove Ugh. him home. Oh, <laughs> that's right. After I yelled at him, I rode his. Oh, bike that must home. have been a fun ride. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I, I offered to give him a ride home because his bike, I think, was the frame was bent. <laughs> Wow. Mr. Brady Mr. broke Brady. his bike. He huh? did. Yeah. So no dog training advice from the Walshes. Oh Definitely my not. God. Did you name the dog, John? Yes, uh, he yeah, did. I Come did, on, did, man. Did, I'm yeah. surprised that Mr. Rondo. <laughs> no. no That'd be got, the next dog name. <laughs> this is not Mr. Rondo. <laughs> yes, I did. We got a um we got a girl dog. Brady got hurt. Yeah, we got a girl yeah. dog two years later and the kids wanted to name her Giselle. And oh, I said, yeah. I said, no way. Oh, um, celebrity marriages never last. That was my famous <laughs> oh, man, last word. They went with little Molly. <laughs> actually, actually Bella, short for Belichick. No, little oh. Molly. Yeah, little Molly. Little Molly. That's yep. cute. That would have been a good. I, I did talk to my. Uh, yeah, we we heard the Paul Molitor story. We want to hear it. Okay, so America, America, I'm I'm in the process of training my dogs. Okay, so I'm I'm paying someone to train them. I'm mm-hmm. not doing it. I'm just kind of reinforcing what they're learning at their little school. They go to school three days a week, and it's like going to like daycare. They go there. The, yeah. Everybody knows them. They run in. They're so happy. Boom, boom. I pick them up like five o'clock at night. They're wore out. So I'm like, great. So I reinforce <laughs> what they're teaching. So this weekend, uh, little Kobe, the youngest one, who's like five months old, he's starting to feel himself now. He's starting to he's almost- strong too. Yes, he's very strong. And he's starting to act like a juvenile. He's, go, he's going from baby <laughs> puppy to juvenile where he doesn't like to listen. Yeah. And so it started when you know he goes into my neighbor's yard and poops. And I'm calling him, Kobe, we got a huge backyard. But they don't want to go in their yard. It's almost like, well, we don't want to mess up our yard with poop because we don't want to step on it. And this guy's not going to pick it up until the end of the week. So let's go over there and poop in this guy's yard. <laughs> so they go over there and poop in this guy's yard. And I'm telling them, come back, come back, come back. They don't listen. 
So I told the trainer, I said, hey, man, I don't, I don't know what I'm paying you guys for because <laughs> you gave me this little clicker. And that's supposed to it's kind know, of get powerless. There. Man, the, yeah. the clicker sucks. Yeah. It sucks. So, <laughs> so this weekend was really, really, really bad. So, the first incident, I was in my house and and um, you know Amazon dropped off a package. So the dogs heard. They ring the doorbell. Dogs. Rawr, 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 rawr. So we go to the front door. I said, "All right, let's go see who it is, guys. Come on, boom." So we go to the door. They know not to go outside unless I go outside. So I had a neighbor that was walking across the street on the sidewalk. And he was across the street. So it's, it's a street with the cars keep yeah. going. So little Kobe is between my legs. And he's standing between my legs and he's barking. And I kind of got him in a, in a, like a, not a serious headlock with my legs. But <laughs> I kind of got a little pressure on him. Like, yeah. don't you even think about it. Sleeper hole. Yeah, just, you know, because he had that little feeling like he was going to run. You know, because he's been doing this lately. So I'm like, no, he's not going to run. Because because uh, to, to get out the door, you have to go through my legs, first of all. And then you have to jump off the stoop. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, he's not going to do that. He's not that <laughs> he's not that athletic. Because you guys seen Kobe. He's a little bit on the chubby side. But he's starting to become more athletic. So this guy's walking across the street. And he starts growling. And I'm like, easy, I'm like, easy killer. <laughs> easy killer. Don't even think about it. And I feel him like inching. Like he's in the starting block. And so... All of a sudden, he takes off, run, literally runs between my legs, jumps off the stoop. I've never seen him do this. Jumped off the stoop like Benji, and he <laughs> jumps off, and he goes hauling ass across the street. I'm yelling, Kobe, no, no. I've got no shoes on. I'm running out there trying to chase him. He runs across the street. Doesn't look, you know, he, it's not like he looked both ways, like, okay, is a car coming left? Coming right? <laughs> he just takes off. And so he goes over and he and the guy goes, Oh, he's a cute puppy. And so Kobe jumps on him and he's hugging him, all that. And I'm like, you little shit. Like, this dog was expensive. And the last thing I need for him to get hit by a UPS truck or an Amazon truck, because those guys fly through my neighborhood. So I get him. And I'm like, you can't do that. You can't. I'm, I'm giving him the treatment all the way across the street. He's looking at me like, man, get on air with that. I'm not listening to that. <laughs> I'm a teenager now. I'm only five months, but I'm a teenager. So he, he goes back in the house. I'm like, oh, man. I, I called the guy. I said, dude, what are you? What, how do you guys keep him from running? And he's like, oh, we use an electronic collar. You know, I, I can, you know, you come in Monday. I'll show you how to use it. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, man, I can't wait till Monday. <laughs> I can't wait till Monday. So I took him outside to go potty like an hour later. Another incident happened. So we're in the backyard, and I'm throwing the ball, and they're chasing it. Brixton's train. He's having a good time. Doo-doo. Kobe doesn't like to run too much, so he's just kind of looking at Brixton chase balls. He's kind of on the lazy side. So all of a sudden, a kid, a little kid has a bike. He's riding by on the street. And I'm like, oh, my God, please don't let Kobe see him. No, he's not going to see him. He's not going to see him. I turn around. I hear a bark. Rawr! And he takes off <laughs> and he's on a full Usain Bolt sprint. I'm chasing me and Bricks is chasing him. No, no. Bricks is probably saying dog language. Come back, Kobe, please come back. He runs out in the middle of the street again and he's jumping up on this kid. I said, oh, no, hail to the no. This is it. I'm, I'm getting me an electronic collar now. So I have a choice. I said, you know what? Let me go online and see if, like, you know, I can get it from Amazon. Because, you know, Amazon has everything, you know. They sell cars. They sell, you know, women's clothing, men's clothing. I mean, they sell everything. So I go online and look at this electronic collar. I do my homework on it and see if they have this one particular one. So they have one. Delivered same day. <laughs> Unbelievable. Same day. So it's like probably like 12 in the afternoon. It got there, it got there like around six. It was too late to use it. Plus I had to charge it. Oh, so I said, course. okay, I'm going to charge it up and I'm going to use it tomorrow. So I couldn't wait. 
So I was like, oh, Kobe, I'm going to get your <laughs> ass. I'm going to get you. You do that again. So I tried out myself because I want to see how it feels because you have to try out the settings, settings to yeah. make sure that you don't fry your dog. So... <laughs> I think that's recommended. No, you are. You're supposed to. You're supposed Shocking. to try it out your so, neck. You're supposed to. You know, you know. You're supposed to try it out. You're supposed. It starts off like like at one. It goes up yeah. to sixteen. So I put it on like seven. You know, I'm thinking, okay, seven is not bad. I'll be. I should be able to take a seven shock. It's. It's not that big of a deal. It's not. And it's not like the invisible fencing outside because that's more a more powerful current. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, this shouldn't be that bad. You know. So. I'm, I'm doing the vibration and I'm like, okay, I feel the vibration. That's cool. You know, I hear the little, there's another button that makes a beep sound. Beep, beep, beep. I'm like, this is cool. So I may not even have to use the shock. So I said, let me just check the shock out. So I put both, I put my finger across the prongs and I hit the shock button and I literally jumped out the chair. <laughs> I literally thought my heart stopped. Like I was sitting there like I had a heart attack. I was like, oh my God, I think I killed myself. <laughs> like, I'm sitting there like, I felt like I really got electrocuted. I'm like, oh, hell no. Let me turn this down, but I like it. I said, I, I, I like it. I'm gonna give this to the dog, you know? So I turned it down to like four. So I, I the next day the dogs go out and first thing they wanna do, they wanna go poop in the guy's yard. So I'm yelling, all right, boys, no pooping in the yard. No pooping in the yard. So I hit the, I hit the little vibration thing. Brixton is smart because Brixton recognized like, wait a minute, this doesn't feel good. Like, and it's not shocking. This just vibrates. Right. Yeah. So he's like, and so he's looking around, he's looking around to try to find out where, where this buzz is coming from. But he stops because every time he moves towards the, the neighbor's yard, I, I hit the buzzer and he stops. So he doesn't go. But Mr. Kobe, he doesn't want to <laughs> listen. So he's, inching closer i'm like kobe come back come back buddy and i hit the i hit the little beep beep he doesn't stop i hit the vibration beep beep you know brrr, he doesn't stop he turns around and looks like where's it coming from then he commenced to walking oh. and i'm like please god don't make me shock this little <laughs> puppy please i don't really want to do this I, I really just wanted for him to learn how to use the vibration so i hit the vibration again he doesn't stop and he's starting to go up so i'm like it's time for the shock <sighs> I didn't want to do it, and I shocked him. So I hit the shock, and he literally jumped up, just like kind of like I did. He <laughs> jumped up like a dolphin out of the water, does a 360 spin, and he's like in complete shock of what happened. Like, what just happened? So he recognized, like, okay, I went too far. So I, I, I got to come back. So this morning, we had another situation. So now he's going up to poop, but he remembers, like, I got shocked somewhere around here, but I hit the little vibration button, so he recognized not to go up there. I said, great, it's working. So now I don't have to use the shock again. Yeah. Just that one time got him. I thought it was, it was over. It was not over. So yeah. today, another person was across the street walking their dog. He takes off. Oh no! I'm hitting the I'm hitting the the beep sound first. Then I hit the vibration. Kobe, stop! Kobe, stop! Kobe, stop! Come back! Come back! He just keeps running full speed. Then all of a sudden, I had to hit the shock again. Stopped him in his tracks. Where'd you get him? <laughs> he was he was he was halfway down the driveway oh. in a full run. Oh. He was a full run, and I hit him with that shock, and it was like somebody put like stopped him with like he ran into a wall. It was like boom. He was like run, <laughs> and he turned around, and he was and I felt so bad, but I'm like. Dude, I'm sorry. I, I can't allow you to run out into the street and because they're so fast. They're like children. Yeah. You know, they're so fast and there's yeah. no way there's no way my old ass gonna catch him. So I'm <laughs> like, you know, I mean he was an expensive dog and the la I would be devastated if my dog got hit by a car. Absolutely. I've yeah. I've seen I've seen dogs hit by cars, not none of my dogs, 
But to have one of your dogs get hit by a car and possibly die, that's like the worst thing. So if it, if the shock treatment keeps him from doing that, so be it. But it, but I tell you what, he, and we came back in the house today, and I thought I heard him, you know, because it was like on four, it was like low, but he was mad at me, like he ignored, <laughs> he, he didn't want to. It was feeding time, and he didn't want to. Normally, he comes up on me and he's yeah, loving yeah. on me. He just stayed away from me for like thirty minutes, like he was, he like he knew I did yeah, it. Don't hit that I, button. I again. tried to play it off like it wasn't me, like it was something out of the sky, <laughs> but he was just like he just like looked at me like, man, how could you do that to me? <laughs> how could you do that to me? Next time you bring whispers over, he'll think he did it. You know, he might he might do like in the what was it Once Upon a Time uh what's that movie? Once upon a time in Hollywood. Hollywood. Yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm trying to train my dog to do that to like Whispers <laughs> and Stinger, where he just goes and attacks their lower extremities. Doesn't he click? Yeah. Make sure you get yeah. to the right house though. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's always the problem. Good one, Mark. There you go. Hey, we mentioned at the outset that uh Tim doesn't look quite right. And part of the reason for that is that uh, Stacy and, and Tim have a story about their experience uh, getting their first vaccine shot. That's yes. our on the download segment, getting the real the real skinny on what's going yes. on with the vaccine shot. Which yes. was, why don't you start us off? Because it didn't go that well, did it? Well, first I got talked into it by. <laughs> <laughs> well, you weren't, oh weren't going to go otherwise? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I talked you into it. Oh, he now I'm the boy. And I texted him when I heard that. I said, Tim, what did you do? He said, I went with Stacy. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to be the blame for this. And, and this was the Pfizer vaccine. You said you had a little bit of a after effect reaction. Well, well, not at first. Uh, that was after we were observed for a while. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> that, that should have taken more than 15 minutes, by the way, Woo! for you guys. Yeah, definitely should have. But, yeah, I ended up having uh, fever, chills, sweating, Um yeah, extremely tired. Uh, how, how was your night's sleep uh, after that? Do you any sleep? It was it was rough. It was a rough night. It was it was, it was bad. Yeah. Were you having visions of Ron Jeremy or what was going on? Oh, no. Ron Jeremy. Oh, 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 I decided yeah, to watch a Stallone film instead. <laughs> <laughs> If you missed last week's episode, you should go back and check it out. He was telling a story about a celebrity encounter with Ron Jeremy. Oh, it was awesome. It was awesome. When's number two? Number two what? Vaccine shot. Not number number two. May 8th. And tell the the listeners what you're going to do on May 8th. I I, I dug my old red Band-Aid out of the garbage and put put it back in my arm and walked right through. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to try. He's going to try to walk through, act like he got the shot. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to snitch on him. I'm like, that guy did not take the second shots. Please get that guy right there. That guy right there with the red hair right there looks like a lobster. Grab him. And he has not taken his second shot. Hold him down and give it to him. No. Later in the last turn, he's another one. Did so, you, did he mix the shots up? Okay, right? here's here's yeah, a, yeah. here's the story. So, <laughs> so here's the story. I've been holding out. I've been holding out for the Pfizer for the longest. Okay, my my medical provider tells me says, "Hey, come in and get the shot." Yada yada yada. But they don't tell you which one you get. Right. So when I called to find out which one you get, they said you you, know, you can have the Moderna. I said, "Well, where's the Pfizer? I'd like to take the Pfizer." Well, we don't have the Pfizer. We won't get it back till the second week of May. So I'm like, "Well, I'll just wait till the second week of May." Yeah. Okay. So. My son uh, is dating his girlfriend. She works at uh, Walgreens, so she was able to get me and Tim in through the family thing. So we walk in there to go get the shot. So I called Tim up. I text him. I said, Tim, I, I was at the game because I, I was doing a game that night. So I text Tim. I said, Tim, we can get the Pfizer shot tomorrow. You want to go? Tim, there was no hesitation. Yeah. There, there was no, see, Tim making it sound like he had to think about forced him to go he's with a gun caught. to his head. Yeah. So he was all in. Okay, he was all in. So he's like, yeah, what time? I said, well, here, I'll give you the information. Make your time. I made mine at 10 o'clock. Make your time before, and we'll go together. 
So Tim makes his at, uh, I think, 945 or something. And uh, so he comes over and picks us up. We're driving in the car. Now, I'm in his car. He's got navigation and everything on. We're driving, just driving around. I'm like, Tim, do you even know where you're going? Oh, I thought you did. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, so you didn't even put in your navigation system? Like, we don't know where we're going. He said, Well, I thought Walgreens you knew where we're going. Deerfield. I thought yeah. going so to we're just storm. driving, we're just driving, talking. I'm like, and so I'm like, Tim, where are you going? Like, yeah, you kind of have to be on time. Yeah. For this. Yeah. And he, yeah. and he wasn't on time because yeah. I, I wasn't worried about me. Yeah. But we were running late for him. So I go, I, I, I said, Tim, I might miss my. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, now he might, he might have been. missed it. Yeah. yeah. Oops. Uh, oops. So, so, so yeah. we're driving, and, and, and so I asked him, does he know where he's going? He's like, no, I thought you knew. It's very serious, too. I'm like, you're kidding me, right? You didn't put in your navigation? No, I thought you knew. I'm like, oh, come on, whisper. <laughs> so we, we put in the navigation, we find it, boom, boom, boom. So we're going up to this place, and we I thought it was going to be a pharmacy. So I thought we were going to go to the pharmacy. I didn't know we were going to the medical labs of Walgreens. That's where we went. We went oh, to like the big yeah. medical lab, which is real. I've never been there. It's over in Deerfield. You see it right off the highway. You see yeah. that big Walgreens thing. Yeah. That's like a campus. And I didn't know that. So when me and Tim were pulling up, we see all these people going in. I go, man, that's a lot of people going in to get a vaccination. You know, is there enough room for people? Is there? I don't want to get. I don't want to get COVID waiting to get a COVID. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, so there's so many people. Man, yeah. Yeah, that's what yeah. we were thinking. Yeah, you exactly. can see them through the glass yeah. of the conveyor belt. I mean, it was this huge, <laughs> dude. There's just it was just so many people. But once you got in there, once you got in there, Mark, it was so. Oh, it's so big. So, oh, someone's trying to call me. Hold on, somebody's trying to yeah, call we, me. Yeah, we we don't see you anymore on the YouTube. Okay, I, I just somebody was trying oh, to call me on go. the bat phone. I had to get them off. <laughs> so so um, we go into this place, and so we had to go through. You know, you had to have a QR code and all this stuff. So before you come, you had to fill out this information. Yeah, sure. So what I did was because <laughs> I believe in conspiracy theories. So oh, conspiracy. yeah, conspiracy go. theories. So what I did was when they ask you because I believe like. You know, you shouldn't ask a person their race. That shouldn't have anything to do with it's it. Okay, to it has nothing it, yeah. to do with it. It yeah. should just be, you know, give your name, your address, age. and age. Yeah. And yeah. they're asking for medical, your insurance right, right. card, yeah. and what race you are. So I don't like that because everybody should get the shot. It doesn't matter if you're green, blue, yellow. You should get the shot. It shouldn't mm -hmm. matter. So my conspiracy theory, I'm like, so I don't really like this question. So I'm going to put that I'm white. <laughs> Because I don't want I don't want to get a I don't want to get a dose that I shouldn't get. I want to get the right dose. So I put You mean the one, one that was left out of the refrigerator? Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to get yeah. And the one they give yeah. you guys, okay? They give you, you guys, guys. I'm gonna be yeah. honest, you people. Oh, not they may not give me that shot. So I said, you know what? I'm gonna put white. So I put, you know, you know, my name and white. <laughs> So, so I get to the I get to the front and the, and the lady's reading my card. She's reading all my information. Okay, Mr. King, da, 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 da. is this your address? Yes, it's my address. Da, 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 da. And she looks at me. She goes, "There's something wrong here." And I'm like, "I'm like, what is it, ma'am?" And she goes, "There's something wrong." She goes, "It says here that you're white, but you're clearly African American." I go, "No, I'm white." I've been in Florida. I'm white. So she goes, she goes, well, I think we should change. I said, no, I don't think you should. I think you should keep it white. <laughs> keep it white. So she goes, she starts laughing. And I said, the reason why I put that is I just want to make sure I get a good shot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So she starts laughing. 
And I'm like, this is not funny. I'm being serious. Like, keep it there. So, so she keeps it there. So they send me back to the back. So now I'm going, you know, Stacy King, the white guy. I'm going in there. So <laughs> I go in there. Hello, sir. Yeah. Hello, sir. <laughs> How you doing there, buddy? So me and Tim Ow. go in there. So me and Tim go in there. And you see all these little tables set up, one through like 20. Okay. Yeah. So the guy comes over to Tim. And I'm, she's looking at, I guess he's probably looking at the sheet and he sees, you know, white guy, white guy, whatever. So he says, um, you're in table 15 and you're in table 16. Okay. So obviously my plan worked because, because <laughs> <laughs> I went to table 16, Tim went to 15. I didn't have any, any problems. I didn't yeah. have any headaches, any fevers. I mean, I, I called Tim on Sunday because I was, I want to say I was doing, if he had any symptoms, yeah. trying to yeah. compare so he's like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, Tim, Tim, what are you doing, baby? How's it, how's the shot? Are you all right? Is, is your arm sore or anything? Arm sore? He goes, like, he goes, like, he goes man, I'm he goes, I, dead. I feel like I'm dying. I think I, up I, had a, I had a, uh, I had a 101 degree temperature and uh, my, I, my body aches. I had chills and, and I just don't feel good, man. I don't, I don't, I feel like shit. So I like, really? I go, wow, man, you're joking, right? Because, you know, Whisper's always joking. Yeah. I'm like, come on, man, stop lying. Because I feel nothing. I said, I was just tired. And he's like, no, no, really. I'm really, I was really sick. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that. And so, <laughs> so then his wife, Maureen, she didn't want him to go. She said, don't go. She's a conspiracy theorist, too. Don't go. Don't go. It's worse. Get the nanobots. Yeah, yeah, get the yeah, nanobots. Yeah, don't, don't go. No, Skytech, they're after you. Don't do it. So... So when he was sick, she was like, I told you, I told you not to go. See what happened. You should never follow Stacy. Should never listen to him. So, so then, so yeah, yeah. So then Tim says to me, he goes, yeah, uh, I don't think I'm going to get that shot in three weeks. <laughs> so I said, I go, oh yes, you are. Cause, cause if I go, you're going. And, you and I, and I told him, I, I said, Tim, I said, Tim, listen, listen, it's just rare. You're not going to be sick the second time. You Your sickness happened now on the first shot. You probably won't be sick on the second shot. I'll probably get sick on the second shot. Usually the second shot's worse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I said, so you yeah. got that to look forward yeah, to. So yeah, so, which is nice. So he's like, I'm not going. I'm not going. I'm going to dig in the trash can and find my little red Band-Aid and slap it on my arm and then walk through and say, I already got the shot. And I said, oh, hell to the no. I'm going to snitch. I'm telling. Oh, yeah. yeah, you got. Yeah, you know me. Yeah, you, if you, you listen to the show, you know Stacey's yeah. going to snitch. I'm, I'm snitching. Now I got, hey. now I got yeah. dragged more into the conspiracy with Maureen. <laughs> you know about. Well, I'm going to get my first shot tomorrow, and I, I checked the oh, white. I checked the white box, so I should yeah, be okay. Yeah, you right? should be okay. <laughs> oh, you know what? If you, it would have been funny if you hit African American. And see where you would have gone. Are you getting Pfizer or Moderna? Pfizer. Okay. Yeah. I would love for you to hit that. I'm, uh, I'm just going to roll up my sleeve tomorrow. I'm going to say, give me the hot sauce. Hey, uh, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something, though. It's not as bad sauce. as people think. People, you know, when you get that shot, people are like, oh, my God. I've seen videos, people yeah, screaming yeah. and hollering. Right. So when the lady came with me with the shot, I was like, I'm, I'm expecting this huge horse needle. Like yeah. I'm like, okay, where's this big what needle? Channel are you watching? Yeah. No, but um, no, it's on you, you. They have video of people actually like feigning and sure. screaming and hollering when they got yeah. Don't like needles. They don't like needles. Yeah, yeah. So they come out. So they come out with this needle. It's like not even a big needle. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, and she hit me with it. And I go, is that it? She's like, yeah, that's that's all. I'm like, yeah. good. So then me and Tim walk out. You know, after getting a shot, so we had to wait 15 minutes because you're gonna have to wait 15 minutes right, too. Right. So we got our mask on. No one knows. Who I am. They can't see me because I got a mask on. No one knows me. So I'm sitting down too, so you can't see how tall I am. So this guy walks up to us in a suit. He works, obviously works for Walgreens. So 
there's hundreds of people in there. He seeks me and Tim out. Of all the people, he comes over to me and Tim because you know, you know, you know, there's a white guy he's and a got black a notepad. guy. Yeah, he's got a notepad and he's he's like formal. He's got a suit on, suit and tie. And the first thing he goes was, "How are you guys feeling?" <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I'm sitting here like, like a bad pickup yeah, line. Yeah, you know, this is, yeah. But but we just got the Pfizer shot. Yeah. And you bypassed hundreds of people yeah. to get to us. How are you guys feeling? Maybe he recognized you. No, no, he didn't know. No, no, no. He just wanted to talk to two white guys. He didn't know. He didn't even. He first of all, first of all, he didn't even know who I was because I was sitting down and my mask covered my whole face. Because a mask makes you look. Tim. Tim was standing up. They're more curious about the red guy. The red guy. Maybe maybe that shot turned him red. So I mean, but the way he said it was creepy. It was like you know he said he says how are you feeling. Did you guys get the shot? <laughs> we're like, me and Tim are looking at each other like, can I get a ride yeah, home with like, you guys? We're like, who the hell is this guy? And then he starts talking to us. Like, like, we don't even know him. He goes, he goes, uh, yeah, you know, I'm 6'5". I'm oh, my God, no. Tim, am I oh, lying? Oh, no, yeah. He goes, I'm 6'5". <laughs> and guess wrong. what? I didn't even play basketball. I've never played basketball. <laughs> Look how tall I am. And so I'm over here. I wanted to hit him with the who cares thing, you know? So me and Tim's like looking at this, like, who's this dude? Like, leave us alone, you know? Were and you then 15 he 15 minutes up? Like, did no, you know no, we were still, no, we were still, we had like eight minutes to go. So he had you trapped. He had us trapped. So the guy tells me, he says, he says to me, he goes, um, now he works from Walgreens. From but LA. He had to, he had to take from LA and he had to take the Moderna shot. So then he commenced to tell me and Tim after asking us, how was the shot? You guys feeling okay? Then he tells us, you know, I took the Moderna shot. And uh, yeah, I was really sick. I thought I was gonna <laughs> die, and and I'm just like, dude, like we really don't want to hear no, that. No. You know, we don't want to hear that. Not today. Leave nope. us alone, man. So that was our our story. And uh, Tim Tim was feeling good when we left. He was looking good. You know, he had his he had a bounce to his step, man. He was he was happy. And then I went home because I had a game that night, and I went home and I fell asleep. So I immediately attributed the shot made me sleepy. So the next day, I just called my boy Tim. I said, let me call little Timmy Whisper, see how he's doing, make sure he's okay. And he's like, oh. I'm like, Tim, you all right, man? What are you doing? You so, hiding from so the take IRS? A nap. So just take a nap afterwards. You'll be fine. Yeah, just take a nap. Oh, man, I'm. oh, it was a rough night. I was sweating, and my head hurts, and oh, man, I think I'm going to die. I'm not getting another shot. You're on your own. I'm like, no, you're coming with me. So three days later, you doing okay? Yeah, I think I feel all right. All right. Well, that's, that's got good to color, hear. We, we don't back. want to discourage our audience not to go no, out. No, get, get the, the shot, audience. Get yeah. the shots. I mean, listen, check we're over here. But, yeah, but, check but all keep the your boxes. Band-aid if you don't listen. want to go back. <laughs> <laughs> keep the boxes. Just fill it out. Just fill out the boxes. Don't lie like me. Don't lie like me. But it worked for me. I'm just going to tell you, it worked for me. I got a good shot. I got good dose. Tim got my dose. See, Tim was Tim's dose was supposed to go to me. <laughs> so they flipped, they flipped the but needles. They flipped it around because I was supposed to be at 15. But since I put white guy, they put me over well, on 16. Well, Tim, and he went to the black guy down? thing. What did you put down, Tim? Well, of course, I'm a Native American because I'm so red. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got him. They got him. They nailed me. They got him. <laughs> They got him. Always so. be honest when filling out medical forms. Yeah. Okay, you be honest. And, and with that, with that great advice, <laughs> you be honest, buddy. We're, we're going to bring down the curtain on this edition oh, of Give Me the Hot Sauce, episode twenty-five. So Pfizer, we love you, Pfizer. Danny Manning, he was fantastic. We hope you enjoyed that interview. Go out and get the shot. Take care get of yourself. Take, Take care, care of yourself. your fellow citizens. Be kind to your neighbor. And watch Chuck Swirsky dance after the next Bulls win. <laughs> 
And don't forget your band-aids. Stacy, bring us home. Drive home safely, Chicago. Give me the hot sauce.